All right, a slice of heaven. So we're talking about the disciples today. Um, and this is what I want to say. The Bible is very, very clear about this. The Bible is very clear that God wants to conform us and transform us to be more like Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, for us to become more like Jesus Christ, means that we have to become people of integrity and people of character. This is very important, that we become people of integrity and of character. Will Rogers, does anybody remember Will Rogers, the comedian Will Rogers? That's what I thought. A couple older people like myself remember Will Rogers. This is what he says about character. He says, we should live lives in such a way that we would not be ashamed to sell our parrot to the town gossip. Sinking in, sinking in. It's good. So Reader's Digest did this thing this past week on uh, honesty and character. And I was reading this article. It says that people of character, people, people of integrity, do not extend their lunch hours. They do not pad their expense accounts. And they pick up after their dogs. I think that's great. So I'm uh, making copies. going to pass it out to some people in my neighborhood who have dogs pick up after a dog. I think it's a great thing. I read this this past week. I don't have a dog. I'm not getting a dog. My family thinks I am, but they got another thing coming. Not getting a dog. But, um, you know, I was, I was walking out the door of the office this past week, and on the, on the lawn there at the office was a piece of trash, and it started to needle. I was in a hurry, you know, and I didn't want to do it. But, you know, when you have to do, there's a problem, with, you know, speaking. I've said this before. When you speak the messages, you feel so guilty if you actually don't do them. You know what I'm saying? It's a real pain in the neck. So I had to stop in my busy schedule and go back and pick up the trash and put it away. This is what people of character do. Okay? So here are some things about people of character. Uh, people of character show commitment and they show loyalty. They speak up when they see something is not fair or somebody is being mistreated. They pitch in when there is work to be done. You know how some people, they see works to be done, and it's like going on over here, and they like turn away as if, if they don't see it, then somehow that gets them off the hook that they don't have to pitch in to help in some way. People of character pitch in when they see that there's work to be done. They jump on board with it. They don't walk away from problems. You know what studies show? That American businesses lose billions, billions with a B, lose billions of dollars every year from employees stealing pens, pencils, paper clips, and paper from the office. Can you imagine those little things add up that much? Billions of dollars every year from people taking that stuff. Well, this is all about character. Now, we are going to talk about Judas today. I wasn't planning on talking about Judas. Josh refused to pose for Judas. That's why we don't have a picture of Judas on here, and all you saw was this shadow, because we weren't going to talk about Judas. And when we said that at the beginning of this series, some of you all revolted. You wanted to hear about Judas, this guy whose character was so bad that it went down in infamy. We don't even name our dogs Judas today right? Much less our sons. Nobody calls uh, somebody Judas because everybody knows Judas is a bad guy. He's a terrible guy. He lacked character, wicked, evil person that betrayed Jesus Christ, the son of God. How could he do such a thing? You know what I thought was interesting? You know, God is amazing. I walked in here this morning and I realized on the day we're going to talk about such a wicked, evil, terrible person, I looked down and I'm wearing Dallas Cowboys colors. <laughs> God just wanted to give us a visual of something wicked and evil. I thought that was, did you, that was pretty cool, isn't it? It's awesome. 
I want to accomplish two things today. The first thing I want to accomplish is, is we want to talk about how to become a person of character. And the second thing we want to accomplish is, is how do we avoid people, protect ourselves from people who lack character? And there are some of them running around in this world. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, he said these words to his disciples. He says, look, guys, you're like a bunch of sheep and you're going to go out a bunch of, uh, and a bunch of wolves. And there's wolves out there and you're like sheep and you need to be, and maybe you're familiar with the scripture. He says, you need to be wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. Now, I've heard that scripture all my life. But until this week, I never stopped and said, what exactly does that scripture mean? The serpent and the dove were popular symbols back in Jesus' day 2,000 years ago. The serpent is a symbol of a person who is very wise and very cunning and who has excellent discernment. The serpent is somebody who senses danger and knows how to avoid it. So in other words, Jesus is saying, you need to be a discerning person and be able to recognize a person who lacks character and to be able to steer yourself clear of that person so that you don't get burnt. He comes around on the other side, you need to be innocent as a dove. The dove is a symbol of somebody who has pure intentions, who is genuine, someone who has high character. So Jesus is saying, you need to be a person of character and you need to be able to recognize the people in this world who don't have character. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a world filled with people who have excellent character. We live in a world filled with people who don't. Father, you want to protect us. You want to watch out over us. God, I pray that we would learn something here today from your word that would help us move towards being people of godly character and that our eyes would be opened and our senses heightened towards people who lack character. And I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Judas was a thief, he was a liar, and he was a hypocrite. And the guys that hung out with him for two years had no idea. Nobody suspected. Look, we're looking back at him 2,000 years back, and we say, oh, yeah, Judas. Oh, that's right. Terrible person. Saw it coming a mile away. Wicked, evil person sold Jesus Christ out. How could he do such a terrible thing? But you know what? Here's what you need to know. Nobody even suspected him. Nobody pointed a finger at Judas. Nobody. What does that tell us? This guy was good. This guy was good. Everybody thought Judas was a great guy. Even though Jesus is showing him all the signs. Even though Jesus said in John chapter 6, way back before Judas did, he says, one of you is a devil. All their sentences were heightened. We talked about James and John last week. They were probably pointing their finger in James and John because of what James and John did we talked about last week. But nobody all the way to the very end pointed any fingers at Judas. Nobody had any idea. He's good. Has that ever happened to you? You ever had a Judas in your life? And you thought, man, this is a great person. This person is awesome. And then all of a sudden they exposed themselves that they were a Judas. Man, maybe you talk to somebody else about that. I can't, you know, I just got, and he's, oh man, how in the world? I mean, that person would never do. That's a wonderful person. Here's the turning point in Judas's life, John chapter 12, where everything, his true colors start to come out. Six days, John 12, verse one, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor and Martha served. 
while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now here he comes. Here comes Judas. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Judas. Judas is a form of the name Judah. Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. Judah, one of the tribes of Israel. That's where Judas is from. Iscariot. What does that mean? Iscariot. It's just where he's from. It's the region that he lived from. He came from southern Judea. And that's all Iscariot means. Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Good amount of money, everybody. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Watch the treasures. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. We are told in Matthew chapter 26 that right on the heels of this incident right here, that Judas immediately gets up and goes to the chief priest, goes to his office, makes the deal to betray Jesus Christ. What was it that set him off? What caused Judas to be set off that it was this very thing in John chapter 12 that caused him to immediately go and to betray Jesus, Jesus who had treated him so well? Jesus who had never been anything but loving and kind, who had always told him the truth, preached the truth, talked to him about being genuine, talked to him, all the parables that we read, talked about greed and money and all that, steered him in the right direction. Jesus Christ, who during the Last Supper, and we've talked about this so much in the past, seated Judas right next to him in the seat of honor. He honored Judas on the night that he was betrayed. That's what he did. He washed Judas's feet in the Last Supper. And when Judas came to betray him in the garden, what did he say to Judas when Judas walked up and kissed him on the tree? He called him what? Friend. Friend. What would cause Judas, what set him off? What took place there in John chapter 12? That he goes and he betrays Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And just so you know, 30 pieces of silver was nothing. Nothing. It was chump change. He could have skimmed more than that every single month off of the top of the money bag. 30 pieces of silver. He just went ballistic. Why? A couple reasons. Let me tell you, share with you too. People of character, their lives are driven by selfish desires. Their lives are driven by selfish desires. And what Jesus did here is he affected something that Judas was personally involved with. You ever done that? Is there a person who lacks character in your life and one day you just kind of touched an area that affects them personally, something that's very special and close to them? This money bag was near and dear to Judas's heart. Jesus touched something near and dear to his heart. And so Judas, a person who lacks character, who's driven by selfish desires, had this huge explosion as a result of that. Everybody has that thing that's near and dear to their hearts. But when you touch something in a negative way to a person who lacks character, there's going to be this great explosion. And that's exactly what we see happening right here. Second thing, Judas's, people who lack character, Judas's, do not like to be corrected. They do not like to be corrected. And Jesus publicly reprimands Judas for what he was saying to Mary. Mary, who was doing this wonderful thing, preparing Jesus for his burial, this awesome thing. She makes this huge sacrifice. 
This perfume was very, very costly. She could have gone out and, and gotten money for it. She could have bought a whole new home. She could have bought a new car, whatever. She could have done all this. But instead, she sacrifices it for Jesus Christ. And here Judas is like coming down on her. And he's making himself look so pious. Oh, that could have been given to the poor. And so Jesus stands up for her. He says, this is wrong. You be quiet, Judas. Well, Judas doesn't like it. People who lack character do not like it when you correct them. I have done this a few times in my life. And every single time I have paid the price. Because what we see happening here is the moment Jesus corrects Judas, Judas betrays Jesus. You need to know this. You need to recognize who the Judases are in your life. And if you come into a situation where you find yourself and you're having to correct them, watch your back. Just telling you, watch yourself because it's coming at you. Like I said, I've done this a couple times in my life and I cannot believe what explodes after I do it. All kinds of wild stuff happens. And this is what Judas does. He goes and he does this. But nobody recognizes it. Romans chapter 16 tells us this. It says that Judas's people who lack character, are smooth talkers. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that Judas's people who lack character, are angels of light. Not angels of darkness, everybody. Think about this. Nobody, none of the disciples who hung out with Judas for over two years of their life, intimate, close. I mean, they were just living with each other constantly. Nobody had a clue. Nobody pointed a finger. Let's go all the way to the Last Supper. So there in the Last Supper, Jesus is washing all the disciples' feet. Before that, they're having this argument about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Remember what we talked about last week? They're probably, they're very upset with James and John. If anybody, they're pointing their fingers at him. Jesus told them, John chapter 6, one of you is a devil. And then Jesus, after he washes their feet, he says, my heart is heavy because one of you is going to betray me. Now, after he says that, does anybody point their finger at Judas? No. Nobody does. Nobody has a clue. Nobody says, oh, yeah, we know. That's that, that, that guy over there, Judas. Keeper of the money bag, the treasure. He's obviously going to do it. Doesn't do that. And you know what? They all feel bad for Jesus, so they all start asking him. They say, am I the one that's going to betray you? It says one by one in Matthew 26, they all looked at Jesus. Is it me? Am I, am I the one that betray you? And finally, even Judas. What nerve. What nerve. He looks at Jesus. Is it me? He's already made the deal. He made it days ago to betray him. Is, is it me? You know the thing? Here's the thing. People of character lie. We know that, right? People without character lie. But let me tell you, let me tell you where you take it to the worst step. People without character will lie to you. But when people without character start lying to themselves, watch out. People who do not have character, when they make the step to start lying to themselves, watch out. There is no reality after that. Jews didn't feel bad for betraying Jesus Christ. Never felt bad. You might say, well, how about John when like, he went back to the chief priest after he did it? He threw the money down and started crying and all upset. Wasn't, wasn't he remorseful? No, he wasn't remorseful. The idiot finally woke up and thought, oh my gosh, how stupid am I? 30 pieces of silver is nothing. I could have skimmed that every month, month in and month out. I just betrayed my money pump. And he was so distraught with himself, he went out and hung himself. So Judas says to Jesus, is it me? And what does Jesus say back? He says, yeah, it's you. They're in a small room. They're in a small room. Do you think anybody else maybe heard that? I don't know. We don't get that insight, but they're in a small room. Now, how about this? Peter. Derek talked about Peter a few weeks ago. Peter, right? He's explosive, man. He's spontaneous. He's the wild man. He is dying to know who in the world is going to betray Jesus. 
So he makes a motion to John as they're all sitting at the dinner table. He says, you find out right now or I'm going to cut your head off. You find out who in the world is going to betray Jesus. Who's going to do this thing? So what does John do? John leans over. Jesus says, all right, give. Who's going to do this thing? Jesus says to John, Judas is going to do it. Now John knows. Peter sees Jesus say something back to John. What do you think Peter does? You don't think, he says, you better give the information right now, spontaneous, explosive Peter, ready to cut people's heads off, right? That guy, you better believe he was saying, John, you better tell me who it is. So now we know John knows, and more than likely Peter knows, and they all know it's Judas. But does it compute? It doesn't compute. It doesn't compute. What I'm telling you is this, everybody, is that people that lack character, some of them are so good. They're so smooth talking. They're such angels of light that nobody suspects it until somebody gets burnt, until somebody ends up on a cross crucified. And we have to protect ourselves. God wants us to protect ourselves from Judas's have to protect ourselves from Judas's out there. I've got three things I want to share with you. There's a bunch of others. I just want to give three because we can't go all day on this. Three things that you can do to protect yourself against a Judas. Number one, give it time. Please give it time. It took two years for Judas. It took two years for Judas, everybody, but eventually it came out. I am telling you, give it time. Give it time with people, particularly, listen to this, listen to everybody. Before you get in a relationship with somebody that either deals with love or money, before you get in a relationship with somebody that deals with love or money, give it time before you make any kind of commitments. It scares me every time I see couples get together and like they've known each other a couple weeks and they're already talking serious. Oh man, this is the person for me. Oh my goodness. Listen, God gave us four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. He gave it to us for a reason. You need to see somebody every single way, all those four, before you start making any of those decisions. One of the most painful things I went through in my young ministry 24 years ago when I started is we had a lady at church. I was in Aberdeen, Maryland. Sweet lady, wonderful lady. She was like in her late 30s or so, just a wonderful, wonderful person. And this guy came into church. He was a smooth talker. He said everything right. He talked about Jesus, talked about God, talked about her, dressed up nicely, had the nice suit on, the tie. Man, the guy looked awesome served her, waited on her, you know, said wonderful things about him. The guy was fantastic. But after he'd been around for two months and been dating her, now he's talking about getting married to her. Next thing I know, three months later, they're married. You know how long it lasted? Three weeks. He got what he wanted in three weeks and then he was gone. I felt so bad. I wanted to, I was stupid, as 24 years ago, I wanted to go out and find him and beat the heck out of him. I did, honest with you, Sorry. It was terrible. What a terrible thing to do. Give it time. When you're talking about situations involving love or money, please, everybody, give it time. Number two thing I want you to write down is this. Pray for discernment. It is a gift from God. We already talked about be wise as a snake. A symbol of discernment. You know what? God can give you a gift that will help you see through the smoke screens and to the truth. It, it It can happen. It really can happen. God can help you grow in the area of discernment that when you're in a situation, everybody, and you're like, oh, man, where's the truth here? God can work in your life in such a way with this gift that you'll begin to be able to see where does the truth really lie. We all need that. God wants to give us that. We need to take advantage of that. Pray for that every day. God, give me discernment. 
If you're in a middle situation, you're trying to figure out something with somebody, say, God, give me discernment about this person. Give me discernment. And lastly, pay attention to the signs, please. Man, when the story does not line up, pay attention. You're driving down the road and it says road closed. Hey, okay, pay attention. The road is closed. And when you're talking to somebody and you're asking them questions and things don't start to line up, it just doesn't make sense, pay special attention to that. If things smell funny, it probably is. People who lack character hold grudges. They're unforgiving. They will not take correction. And it is never their fault. It is never their fault. They go from place to place. They go from business to business, job to job. And yes, even they go from church to church. Now, if you're new today, I'm not trying to say anything about you, but... But I will say that, you know, every now and then we have somebody come in and they'll talk about, oh, man, I was at this church and this church was terrible and blah, blah, blah about this church. And then I was at this other church and they were terrible and this other church and they were terrible. And hey, now I'm here. And I'm like, Jesus, help us. Right? We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Move around. Be wise as a snake. All right. Okay. So we're done with Judas. Let's. Let's move on from Judas. We want to be as wise as a snake to recognize. Now let's talk about the antithesis of Judas, and his name is Nathaniel. Let's read about him. Uh, you know, he's called Bartholomew, just for you to know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John calls him Nathaniel, and John is the only one who gives us insight into him because the others just list him as a disciple. But John, in his first chapter and in his last chapter, gives us a little bit of insight into Nathaniel. Let's read a, bit, a little bit of his story. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. This is a man of character. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. The sense is, is that Jesus actually physically did not see him but through his divine omniscience, knew that he was under the fig tree when Philip came and called him. I want to say this about Nathaniel. People who do have character, like Nathaniel, are not perfect. People of character are not perfect people. They're not perfect people. They just have a genuine and a pure heart. They do make mistakes. They make them often. What do we know about Nathaniel? Apparently, this guy was a real student of the Bible. He loved God's Word, studied God's Word. Why do, we, why do we think that? Well, we think that because when Philip comes and talks to him, what does he say to him to grab his attention? I mean, it's not every day somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, I found the Messiah. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> right? So he's coming and saying, I found the Messiah. And what does he say to grab his attention for? He says, you know, the one the Bible talks about, Moses and the prophets, you know, the, that one, we found that one. And you know, Nathaniel, you're a student of that. So you understand that we're looking for the Messiah. We both know that because we're both students of the Scripture. He says this to grab his attention. Now, what 
is Nathaniel's reaction. This tells us a lot about Nathaniel and his reaction. What Jesus says about him and what Nathaniel says about Jesus gives us so much insight into him. So what does Nathaniel say? Well, if he's a student of the scriptures and he's just told that the Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth, he would have obviously said, well, hey, Philip, we know from the scriptures, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, that the prophecies are that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. So, Philip, what gives? You're telling me this guy is from Nazareth, and we all know it's supposed to be Bethlehem. Well, he doesn't say that at all. What he says to him, he says, Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Let's show the map over here real quick, Ryan, and let's talk about this. Can you all see that? Can you? You wouldn't tell me if you couldn't anyway. Cause... All right, so up top, all right, you got the Mediterranean, the big blue over there. Up top is the Sea of Galilee. And apparently it seems as if all the disciples were from Galilee, that whole area that surrounds the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Galilee District, all right? That's where they're all from, except for one guy. And who do you think was from the southern kingdom from Judea? Actually, Judea was considered more pure and holy, and the Judeans looked down, even though it was above them, on the Galileans. Who do you think was from Judea? Judas. Judas from, was from a town in southern Judea where it seems as all the other disciples, I don't know what that means. I don't think, you know, maybe it doesn't mean anything, but that's just the facts. It seems where they're from. Now, here's the thing. People in Judea, as I said a few moments ago, looked down on people from Galilee. We see that when um, Nicodemus was kind of defending Jesus one day. He was a Pharisee. He was defending Jesus. And so all his other Pharisees says, hey, what is it? What are you, a Galilean too? Well, it's because it was, it was you know, everybody looked down on the Galileans. Now, here's what you need to know. You see where Cana and Nazareth are? See how they're so close? They're two towns very close together. Everybody who lived in Galilee, even though they were looked down upon, everybody looked down on people from Nazareth, on Nazareth, which is where Jesus Christ is from. He was born in Bethlehem, but his family moved him to Nazareth. Nazareth was considered a very corrupt, uneducated, uncultured town. So people look down upon Nazareth. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Cana is pretty similar to Nazareth. Cana's not a whole lot better, but they had, they're both of them kind of like working class towns. And so there was a, a strong rivalry between Cana and Nazareth. They were so close together. People knew each other who lived in those towns. So a strong rivalry. So the best way, you know, I can illustrate this is like Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I don't say anything bad if you're from Pittsburgh or Cleveland, but, um, you know how that rivalry between like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns exists? They're both kind of working class towns, right? You all watch football? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, th 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 that same spirit, that same rivalry, that, ah, you know, kind of, that existed between Cana and Nazareth. And so when, when Nathaniel hears that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is from Nazareth, his first reaction is, no way! Because he had all these preconceived ideas and prejudices. And prejudices, this is his weakness against people from Nazareth. And sometimes very good people, people of character, can be prejudiced. Prejudiced to people from another country, from another color, from another political persuasion. And it's wrong. It's completely wrong. And he made a bad mistake. Now, here's where it gets really cool. So what does Jesus do? Because everybody, look, if Jesus, through his divine omniscience, knew that Nathaniel was under that fig tree, don't you think he also knew exactly what he said about him, the kind of wise crack that he made about Jesus? Nazareth, can anything good come out of there? Ah, 
So what does Jesus do when he first sees him? Well, this is what he does. He says to him this. He says, when he sees him, he says, now here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. He is a man of character. This is what I want to say. Remember how I said Judas's, Judas's people who lack character hate to be corrected? Here's the cool thing about people who do have character, everybody. The people who do have character in them. That sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes you don't even need to reprimand them for the wrong that they've done. All you need to do is remind them of who they are. And the moment Jesus reminds Nathaniel of who he is, that he's a man of character, how does Nathaniel re react to all of that? He immediately says, oh my God, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God, and he worships him. Isn't that cool? That's the difference between a person who has character and a person who doesn't. The person who doesn't, doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to get back in line with any of your correction. They're going to fight you every step of the way, all the way. But a person who has character, a lot of times you don't even have to reprimand them. You just have to remind them of who they really are, that they're a person of character. And immediately jump into line. And that is the difference between Judas and Nathaniel. Now, how can we develop godly character in our lives? I want to give you a couple things, just four things, and it's all found in Romans chapter 5. Beautiful passage of Scripture here. Romans chapter 5 talks about developing character. It says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. So that first word that you see there, I want to reread this for you. It says, we also rejoice in our sufferings. That word simply means this and only this. It means pressure. We rejoice in the pressures that come our way. Good, bad, and ugly, there's pressure that comes all of our ways. And so the first thing I want you to write down is this. Deal with the pressure. Whatever pressure. You've got pressures in your life. I have pressures in my life. Deal with it. Deal with the pressure. Don't try to escape it. Deal with it head on. Right? If you're going through something, if you've got struggling some kind of temptation or somehow you've endured some kind of correction in your life, whether it's personally, a friendship, or job, or whatever, whatever pressure you're dealing with, whatever temptation you're dealing with, whatever that pressure is, deal with it with God's help. Deal with the pressure. The second thing here is don't walk away. He says, when you endure those pressures... That pressure can produce perseverance, which simply means patience, which means you don't walk away. What is the major, one of the major character traits of Judas's? Walk away. Got a problem, man, I'm walking away. So Jesus corrects Judas, and what does Judas? Judas walks away right to the office of the priest and makes a deal to betray him. People who lack character tend to walk away over and over and over again rather than dealing with it. Rather than dealing with it, walk away. Third thing, improve your character. So once you've dealt with the pressure and you've decided, I'm going to face it, I'm not going to walk away, with God's help, with the help of God, God begins to build inside of you and in me character. That's what he does. Because I deal with the pressure, I do it God's way, I face up to it, and I move forward with God's help. Job says this, and Job was a guy who dealt with a lot of pressure in his life. He lost almost everything and he says when i come through with god i come through like gold and that's what god wants us to come through as he wants us to come through his gold now finally and here we go all the way back to the title of the message be a slice of heaven on earth now why do i say that because it says when we deal with the pressure 
We don't walk away from the pressure. We have godly character because we've trusted God, because we've done things according to God's word in the midst of it, and we faced up to it. We faced up to it. Now we have godly character, and now at the end of it, step number four is we have hope, and it says hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. You know what it's like, everybody? When you come across a person of character on your path, isn't it like a little slice of heaven here on earth? I mean, when you're dealing with people who don't have character and you're thinking you've got a big slice of hell on earth and all of a sudden you encounter a person of character that's true blue and that's genuine, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a breath of fresh air. It's like a slice of heaven. Billy Graham says this about character. He says, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. All is lost. It goes back to character. Character is everything. Now today we're going to celebrate communion. And you know what I look at? I look at communion as this awesome opportunity, this moment in time that we have. We're told from the scriptures that the presence of Jesus Christ is with us in a very special way when we observe communion, when we remember what Jesus Christ has done. When we partake of the bread and drink of the cup, that Christ is with us. This is an awesome opportunity. It's a moment in time where we can examine ourselves according to 1 Corinthians 11.28. Paul says that every time we take communion, we should take an opportunity to seriously examine ourselves. I want to encourage you to examine yourselves in two ways. And this is exactly what I'm going to do today as I take communion. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to examine myself and my relationship with Christ. You know, we all have to make a decision about where we stand with Christ. And... My simple thing is this. Do I think I'm good enough to get to heaven on my own? Or do I actually need a Savior named Jesus Christ to take me there? Or am I good enough? Is my character strong enough? Am I righteous enough? Am I holy enough? Am I all those things enough to make it on my own? Where do I stand with Jesus Christ? And it's a moment in time for you to examine where do you stand in your relationship with Christ? Have you been putting off crossing that line of faith? I don't know. The second thing is this. I can examine and you can examine where you stand with the pressures in life. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's something that you've been doing or a habit or there's a relationship that's out of sorts. There's something. There's some pressure. And maybe you haven't dealt with it at all or maybe you've dealt with it in a wrong way. And this is a great moment to examine your true motives and your true attitude and say, okay, God, I want to deal with this thing, and I want to do it the right way. And it's a time to make a commitment. Say, so you know what? I want to resolve this thing God's way. This is a great moment. Communion is a wonderful moment to allow God to build godly character in your life and in mine. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask those who are going to help us with the communion to come on up front. What they're going to do is you're going to have two people on this side over here and two people here on this side. And after I'm done, after I'm done praying, all that, uh, all that you do is when you feel like, when you, when you want to, just come up and uh, take the bread and take the cup. And then you can funnel right back around to your seats. And the band's going to play some soft music. And it's a time for you just to examine your own life and yourself in your own way and in your own time. Okay? So if somebody will hit the lights, uh, I'm just going to say a prayer. And then the band's going to play. And feel free to uh, come at your own time to take communion. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you want to help us. God, you don't want to condemn us. And God, that is so comforting to me because I am not perfect. 
God, I'm thinking about those of us here in the room today. Those of us who, because we've talked about Judas today, we've thought about Judases in our lives. We've thought about the Judases who have betrayed us and hurt us. And some of us right here, right now, we feel like crying because we've been hurt so bad. And the first thing I want to pray about, God, is that you would extend your hand out of heaven and that you would heal those wounds inside of us. Maybe it was a mom or a dad who betrayed us. Maybe it was a friend or maybe it wasn't anybody we knew at all. But God, it hurts. And they nailed us up to a cross and that pain is so fresh and vivid in our minds, it's incredible. God, help us and heal us, please. For those of us who are dealing with struggles and pressures in life today and we've got some decisions to make what we're going to do about it help us to rightly examine who we are what we've done what our motives are and help us to move forward effectively in you god as we eat this bread and drink this cup jesus i pray that your presence would be so palpable and real in this place that we would sense you walking up and down the aisles in this room that you, God, would help us to become people of Christ-like character. Father, bless the eating of the bread and the drinking of this cup for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.